Oh dear. Welcome to the Coffee and Coding Podcast, where we discuss all things app development. I'm your host, Rob J, and in this episode, I chat with Android YouTuber and now founder of the startup Tutehub.io, Florian Walter. Florian joins me for a second time on the podcast to talk about founding a startup as a solo developer, making the switch from mobile to web development, deciding on what to build, how to promote your product, and much, much more. Now onto the show. So just before we jump into my conversation with Florian, I wanted to let you know that the Coffee Encoding YouTube channel has been picking up steam lately. I've been posting lots of clips from the show, including entire episodes in video form. So if you've been waiting to see that, then now is your chance. And I've been posting exclusive content that you'll only find on the YouTube channel. So if you haven't yet checked it out, head over to the channel. The link is in the show notes and discover even more Coffee Encoding content. And of course, don't forget to subscribe because I'll be posting a ton more exclusive content over there that you will only find on the YouTube channel and you won't want to miss it. And with that said, now let's get into my conversation with Florian. I'm trying out something new. So, so I found it really annoying where I'd be having a conversation and people would say stuff that I want to follow up on. And then trying to remember that means that I don't listen to the rest of what you said. So now I have like a pen and a piece of paper. So if you see me look down for a second, it's just because I'm making a note. Yeah, when I had my podcast, I did the same. I just did it on the screen. With no ah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think I tried to do that before, but also I found that my mic would pick up the keyboard noises and then it got really annoying as well. Yeah, that's true. But you have two tracks here anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I usually cut out the other track when the other guy was talking. Yeah, I do the same thing. I think it was annoying because the person that was listening could hear me typing and they didn't know why I was typing. And then it's like, you're talking to me and I'm just chatting to somebody on Messenger or something. So, yeah, sure. All right, I mean, we can jump right into it. So firstly, thank you for, for agreeing to be back on. And I have a bunch of stuff that I want to talk to you about. But before we get into that, so just for people that don't know, you had a podcast. So last time we recorded, you didn't have a podcast. And then a little while after you started doing it, I know that you stopped doing it now, but I also know that it was actually really good. So I just wanted to, for people that are listening to plug the podcast because it's, they should go and check it out. It's on podcast apps and it was on your YouTube channel as well, right? Yeah, the episodes are still up. I just don't do it at the moment anymore. It was fun doing it, but I don't know. I want to spend more time programming. And this is why I stopped um, making tutorials on my YouTube channel. And the podcast was not really a good alternative to that because it was even less coding and even more talking and uh, uh, preparing. But maybe I pick it up again in the future. How, how did you find the process of doing like a podcast compared to like doing your YouTube videos? Yeah, I mean, it's a big difference to uh, doing tutorials because I don't have to prepare any visual stuff. I just have to talk, which is a relief. It's easier. But at the same time, I have a tendency when I start something new, I overdo it. And you know that I did all these social media clips, for example, for uh, Instagram and TikTok and so on. And I... I spent so much time just editing the stuff and preparing it. And <laughs> this is why I lost uh, the motivation to do it after three months. Next time when I do that again, I just take it a bit easier. Yeah, that makes sense. It it takes a lot of effort to do that stuff. Like even I find it really, really tedious. Like the editing of the podcast is fine, but then the video stuff and then trying to match up where I've edited the podcast, like I've edited the audio, but now it doesn't match up with the video. Uh, yeah, just... So for people that listen, go and check it out because you had a ton of great guests on there. So 
the podcast is one thing. And then last time we spoke was a bunch about Android stuff. And anybody who listens to this and following you on Twitter, then they would know that Android stuff is the least of the things that you're doing right now. Um, <laughs> so do you want to dive into a little bit about what you're doing? Because last time we spoke, right, you like you did Android, you had a YouTube channel, and then since then you had a podcast. And then now I think you are the founder of at least two startups, right? <laughs> and you've been doing web dev and a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's, the word startup always sounds a bit big. I just uh, built some little projects. And it has been my goal for a while to uh, yeah, build something real that people can use and make money from that. Because as you know, I don't want to make tutorials anymore. I just hate the process. And building real stuff is so much fun. And yeah, I started with building a little Chrome extension that was supposed to make it easier to answer YouTube comments by adding keyboard shortcuts to the website of YouTube, to the comment section. And I personally uh, used that and I found it useful, but it's... It was way too specific um, to uh, turn it into a real product. Other people didn't really get uh, the point of that. It wasn't really well thought out as a product, but it was a great learning experience because I learned, I had no experience in web development before and I learned how to uh, build a Chrome extension, a React website and a server and deploy all of the stuff. And now, for example, part-time I'm, I'm working on a project for someone else and I can apply all of this stuff because they needed me to build a Chrome extension. And so it's, it's really useful. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, so it turned into something, something useful in the end, yeah. Yeah, so uh, this project didn't really go anywhere, so I just took it down. Um, don't put any more effort into this. I just consider it a learning experience. The second project I've built, which is still up, and I'm still working on, is called Tutab. So the website URL is tutab.io. And I have, I had this idea for a while. It's basically a, a database and a search tool where people can submit programming learning resources, so tutorials, courses, books, and so on, together with some metadata, like if it's text form, video form, what's the difficulty level, what's the language. They can write a description if it's free or paid, and if you need to sign up on the website. And then people can vote these resources, like you can vote answers on Stack Overflow, and the idea is that people can search for a tutorial on the website and then uh, the, the good ones get to the top because the boards, yeah, they have higher boards. And I had this idea for a while and people seem to like it so far. I couldn't really do much marketing yet because I still have to uh, do some other tasks first on the website. But then uh, I think if I market this properly, it could be an interesting project. But yeah, time will tell. So far, because you did a launch on Product Hunt, right? Right. But I kind of screwed it up because I posted it. I didn't pay attention to their time zone. And I posted it like two hours before midnight of their time zone, which makes it impossible to get, for example, product of the day, which are these badges that you can right, get if you right, get a high ranking. So I yeah. completely screwed it up. But I don't think a product hunt is that important. Um, I think ongoing marketing, like writing blog posts and stuff like that, is more important than this little boost you can get in the beginning from product hunt. But I felt like I had to do it because everyone is saying that you have to release your project on Product Hunt. Yeah, I mean, I feel like whatever traffic you get from that is better than not doing it, right? So, right. Yeah, okay. All right. So I want to dive into a little bit about the, the web development aspect of, of that. And I feel like probably we can get into it, right? Because this is so... I've had I've thought of, and I assume lots of people listen to this, the same thing. Everybody has an idea about something. And I've had lots of ideas where I was like, I can make that an app. No one's going to use that app. If it was a website, people might use the website, but then I would have to go and learn web development 
And I, for me personally, I would just be like, that seems like a lot of effort, so I don't do it. You are the opposite, where it's like you're going to learn. And from what I've been seeing on your Twitter, it's like you learn one thing, like a framework, and then you do you release that, and you're like, I'm going to rewrite it in this other framework, and then you do that. So, so how yeah. did you find the kind of um, like I guess what was the learning curve, right? Going from like being quite a good developer but not knowing web to being able to write to up. Um, first of all, I uh, I really enjoy learning the stuff. That's why it comes uh, so easy to me at the moment. I, it's just so much fun learning this um, and building something real and seeing that grow and adding functionality to it. It's a really nice process, but it really is a lot of work to learn the stuff. Um, but luckily, React, what I'm using for my website, is very similar to Jetpack Compose on Android. And since I already learned Jetpack Compose before, I knew how this works with declarative UI. If I hadn't learned Jetpack Compose before, then I would, would have needed much longer. Because wrapping your head around this declarative UI concept for the first time and state and everything is a bit tricky. But um, yeah, React is basically uh, the same as Jetpack Compose. I think Jetpack Compose was inspired by React. So this part was not so difficult. Chrome extension is difficult when you do this for the first time. It's just, uh, it's trickier because you're not working with your own website. You're injecting some HTML into someone else's website. And then you have to work with that. That's more trickier. And the setup is also trickier if you want to use um, React, which you can use for Chrome extension as well. The setup is a bit more difficult, but there are tutorials about that. Um, Node.js and Express for the server I just learned from a tutorial. Uh, the YouTube channel Akata Mind has a really good tutorial on that. So this was not so difficult. But deploying the server for the first time was difficult because I wasn't used to using the command line. And then you just have this Linux command line and you have to uh, get the code there and get it to work. And then you need this reverse proxy stuff and so on. The first time this was difficult, but yeah, you, you just learn it. And then the second time it's easier. We'll get right back to the show, but first, I just wanted to remind you that if you're enjoying this episode, if you feel it's bringing you value, then it would mean a lot to me if you shared it with a friend or fellow developer. That's it. Just hit the share button in your podcast app of choice and you know what to do. Now, back to the show. So when you're deploying the server, I assume you have it running locally to test it and stuff. So then deploying it is like you're deploying it to like AWS or something like that. Um, I use hosting as my hosting service because they sponsored my video and they gave me hosting for free. Nice. <laughs> so I wanted okay, to use yeah. that. And then uh, you log in on, uh, on hosting and then you can choose where the server is located, um, what country and so on. And then you get your SSH login credentials and then you put that in the command line and then you are connected to the server over the command line, basically. The first time that's really, uh, it's really uh, weird when you're used to graphical UIs to do everything by typing in letters at the command line. <laughs> and Android, Android wasn't so command line heavy like web development, but it, it's fun. And you feel cool when you want to do stuff over the command line. <laughs> feel kind of like a, a tech wizard. Yeah, 100%, yeah. I, I've had, I had that experience because I use Linux as like my main like desktop or operating system. And um, the first time you use it, all you're doing is just like really simple commands to install apps. And it feels like you're like a hacker from a movie or something. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah it's it really fun. does. Yeah. All right. And then I have another question, which is kind of out of sync, but it's still something that's in my mind, right? Which is I've worked for a bunch of startups and they always have, they, they always launch something with the idea that they want to make it into a business and they generally don't have an idea of how they're going to make money. 
And then they come up with some convoluted way to turn this idea into money. And then usually that ends up turning off users. So when you were building like Tuhub, did you have this in your mind that you want it to be a business or did you have it that you just want it to be a resource? And now that it's getting a little bit of traction and people are using it, is that something that you struggle with about monetization or no? Because like, I definitely feel like if, like when I've had apps in the past and they do really well and they've been a hundred percent free, then like I've always had the thoughts like, oh, how can I add something here? Like yeah, everyone just gives me a dollar that pays for my year, you know? And and obviously that's not the way to go about things. But but how how have you kind of looked at that for your website? Yeah, the, the plan is to make money with that. It has been the plan from the beginning, but it it will probably be difficult because using the website is freer. And my plan is to make money via ads. I don't know how well this works. And I haven't implemented any ads yet because I need more traffic for that first. But I don't want to put like random Google AdSense ads there. I want to sell ad space to course creators, basically. So if someone searches for courses on JavaScript, for example, I want someone to buy a slot for the search query. And then it will appear probably at the, at the top. Of course, it will be, it will say that it's advertisement like on Google. I will not make it hidden or anything like that. It will say this is an advertisement, but it will probably be at the top to get attention or maybe in the sidebar or somewhere. This is my plan how to monetize it. Something else I also can do is <clears throat> some of these resources are Udemy links, for example, where people can buy paid courses and I could, for example, just switch them for affiliate links. This is also one way. I don't know how much money this could make, but I'm, I'm happy if this website makes any money because I just want to get my... Uh, my foot in the door and start building something that makes money and i'm patient i can also build another project afterwards with the stuff i learned yeah okay that makes sense i yeah i feel like sponsored ad placement is definitely an, an easy option to go because then it's not on the consumer or like the user to, to pay money to use it that definitely makes sense okay all right and then i and then i had another point that i wanted to ask which is also so i think i've i've either seen you ask on twitter or i've seen people message you on twitter but in terms of new features, right? So you built this thing and I assume you built it as MVP. You can tell me if you're wrong. And I only assume that because I've seen you tweet about stuff like Lean Startup and stuff. So I assume that's what you went for. So then going from that to like people are using it, I would assume people are saying like, oh, I would like it to do this or could you add this? So has one, has it happened? Because if it's not, then it's a moot question. But if it has happened, how do you decide on like what's going to be the next feature that's worth building? Yeah, I had a, a beta phase where I just invited a few people to use it to iron out the worst bugs. And where, of course, people make suggestions for feature they want to have. For example, at the moment, there's a filter for difficulty level of the resource. And at the moment, there's beginner and advanced. And some people ask me to add an intermediate difficulty level. But I'm not sure if this makes sense to add if those are just too many options then. Also, it's difficult because all the resources that are already up, uh, uh, posted there won't be updated. About the decision process, I just think by myself what makes sense and what doesn't. And I'm a bit reluctant when it comes to adding random stuff. But besides that, there are the most feature requests that people sent me so far are things that totally make sense and that I already had on my list anyway. So there's a big overlap in that. There weren't really any uh, stupid ideas so far. And if there are, then I just ignore them if they don't make sense. So then this is like devil's advocate. What if 100 people request a stupid idea? Then, uh, I mean, 
if I still <laughs> consider it if I still consider it stupid, then I probably have a reason to not add it. But I think if there are a hundred people that want this feature, then it probably isn't stupid. Yeah, that would be my reasoning as well. Okay. So then going from like two hub to um back to your Chrome extension, right? And maybe two hub as well, I don't know. So having launched like two products now, are there any things that you think that you apart from the product hunt thing that you did wrong that you would do differently if you were to launch something else? Yeah, um I would not start a bigger project in JavaScript. I would use TypeScript instead. I had to migrate. I mean, you can still migrate later. This is what I did, but it's a bit annoying to chill. Then you have to go through all your code and change a lot of stuff. But yeah, TypeScript is nicer, especially when you come from a language like Kotlin, because it's very similar and um, building a bigger project with a dynamically typed language just feels, I don't know, it just feels like it can explode any moment because there are a lot of safety measures that you don't have there. You can pass any value to any function basically and then it will just explode at runtime and the second thing at the moment this is uh, even more annoying my react website i convert to next.js which is still react but it's another framework around uh, react basically because with a normal react website it's like one single app the whole website is basically one single app and everything is loaded the, the whole content of the website is loaded and rendered on the client side which is a problem for SEO, for search engine optimization, because all your web different pages on the website, they don't show up in Google, basically. You only have the, the main URL show up in Google, and that's it. Because all, the, all these other pages, they basically don't exist to the crawler, to Google's crawler. And Next.js um, is another um, framework on top of React, which gives you the option to... Uh, said to decide for every page should this be uh yeah should this be rendered when the the project is built or should the data be fetched every time the user accesses this page for example um for the user profile page where you need up-to-date data you can't just render it at build time and then uh, don't update it that wouldn't work or you can load the data completely on the client side which is how normal react works so and they, they do a lot of other optimization. For example, when you add an image, say for example, let's say you have your own logo in a huge size with a huge resolution, but you only display it in a small size on your website. For example, in the navigation bar, then uh, Next.js automatically resizes this image to the perfect size to show it there. It does all these little optimizations. Or if you have a link, to another page visible on the screen. They say in, on the viewport, I assume the viewport is the, the visible part of the screen, I think. Then uh, Next.js will automatically go ahead and prefetch this page already. So when you click on it, it's there instantly. And they do all these little uh, tricks and it's better for SEO. This is why I think uh, normal vanilla React is probably obsolete by now. You should probably always use Next.js. That being said, I don't know how easy it is to learn React with Next.js. So maybe it's still a good idea to learn normal React and then move to Next.js. But those were the two biggest changes, uh, TypeScript instead of JavaScript and Next.js instead of React. Those are things I would use every time now when I build such a project. Okay, nice. And then in terms of like getting attention or getting users, because a lot, a, lot a lot of people that have kind of ideas for stuff like this, the building part, 
they know, so like I'll speak for app, app developers. I know, I know loads of app developers that have like, oh, I built this app, you know, it's great. It's a music app or it's a podcast app or whatever it is. And it's really, really great. And it has no downloads because they don't know anything about marketing or um, how to reach people. They kind of just assume you put it on the Play Store and people find it. Whereas with a website, people might find something on the Play Store or the App Store with a website. Nobody's going to find it unless, you know, it's optimized for SEO really well. And so you actually have to get marketing. So in terms of marketing, are there things that you've done or that you would recommend people to do or that you're looking to do in the future that kind of would help with that process of kind of getting noticed and getting traction? Yeah, I have the benefit that I already have my YouTube channel where I document the process a little bit and people already get to know the website from there. I think the, the marketing channel or method that makes the most sense for a website like this is probably writing blog posts because most programmers search for stuff in Google. I don't know how much sense it makes to make TikTok videos, for example, about Tutup, because this is probably not where I will find most of the people that will use the website. Even though I think to, uh, TikTok in general is a, is a great marketing channel and a lot of people are making a ton of money there. But for, for such a website, it probably doesn't make too much sense. Um, so yeah, my YouTube videos, uh, Google, and this is also a reason why I migrated to Next.js or why I'm in the process. I want to do something called programmatic SEO, where you are, if I understand it correctly, you are automatically create certain landing pages. You don't do it manually. They are automatically created, which will then show up in Google. And I want to do it so that when people search for something in the search box of Tutab, that it generates a static page for this search um, query that will then show up in Google. For example, if someone searches for Android navigation component tutorial, then I want the website or React to automatically go ahead and create a website with the title that's or a landing page with the title that says the best tutorials on Android navigation component. And I want this to appear in Google. This is called programmatic SEO as far as I know, and you can do a this with Next.js. This is also a reason why I migrated. Yeah, and I'm reading a few books on this topic. Um, one is called Traction, but I don't know how, the name of the author right now. I mean, I can I can look it up later if you want to put this in the show notes. This is, uh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, if you, if you find it and send it to me, I'll put it in the show notes for sure. They have all these different methods for marketing and give examples for that. It's, it's really a nice book. But yeah, those are the main things I'm doing or planning to do. But, but one, one more thing, um, I probably didn't mention this yet. I needed to uh, migrate to Next.js because I want to build a blog on the website. And if you build a blog with normal React, as I already explained earlier, this will, the post will not show up in Google because they basically don't exist for Google Scrawler. And if you write a blog post that doesn't show up in Google, it doesn't make any sense at all. So this is why I needed to migrate to Next.js next. And uh, you can use this method that I mentioned earlier, where all the data is rendered at build time and pulled out of the database. And it creates this HTML page at build time because the blog post doesn't change with every request. You can just put it up there once and that's it. And then it loads super fast, uh, faster than if you load it dynamically from the database when the user clicks on the site. So, uh, yeah. Just a very brief interruption to remind you that if you are not a supporter of the show, then you can become a supporter of the show for as little as $2. Just head over to coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash support. 
there's a number of different tiers to choose from and of course they are all aptly coffee named so if you want to buy me a monthly espresso you can if you want to make it a cappuccino you're welcome to and if you want to make it the affogato then you're also more than welcome to for those of you that are not coffee connoisseurs an affogato is a scoop of ice cream with an espresso poured on top it is delicious but seriously speaking if you want to support the show i would hugely appreciate it whatever you want to give goes a long way in helping me keep this show running so coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash support and if you don't want to pay a monthly subscription to support the show then of course you can always just head over to coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash buy me a coffee and just buy me a coffee or one coffee or two coffees i average about three coffees a day so if you want to pay for three coffees that will pay for the entirety of my day now, with that being said, let's get back to the show. It's really interesting to hear you talk about websites because mm-hmm. I haven't done web anything for probably like 10 or 11 years. And that was like HTML and CSS. Mm-hmm. And then now any websites that I put up like for the podcast and stuff is all just WordPress. And then I like generate static files so I can just host it statically. And I forget that you can have websites that actually do stuff on the fly. Yeah, but I like WordPress. If I just wanted to write a normal blog, then I would just use WordPress. But for, for Tutab, I just needed something more flexible because I need this, this sophisticated search functionality and stuff like that. So I need more flexibility. Do you think, because I know WordPress has a lot of plugins and stuff, right? And for something like this, I would assume you have to build it yourself. But do you think for something like this, there is the option to use WordPress like with, I don't know, some sort of search plugins and stuff? Because to me, I feel like that doesn't, personally, I would feel like, I hadn't made anything because it's just a WordPress blog that the posts are, you know, tutorials and there's an upvote function. So I feel like if I was you, I would feel proud of what I've made because I actually built it. But do you think, you know, if you want to do something else and you could do it in WordPress, you would, or would you still prefer to, to build it yourself? I would probably still build it myself because I want to add more features in the future and earlier or later I would get I would not find a plugin for that but I could I couldn't build this website with the uh, in the current state with WordPress plugins I don't think you can rebuild this there you just need you, you are not flexible enough with plugins to uh, build this exact functionality I don't think you can build this with WordPress right now but also the problem with WordPress is that with these plugins you always pull and code from other people and if they messed it up and didn't make it secure then uh, people can hack your website and when you code it yourself, you just have more control over that. Did Did you have any worries over security with yours? Because obviously, it's not like it's not like building an app, right? It's it's out there, and you are now responsible for all the security. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's also easy to uh, do a mistake in your code if you don't watch out, that, which could then uh, introduce a security hole. For example, I did um, email a way to uh, update your email address. And uh, the first time I've written this, I wrote it in a way that I don't I don't remember exactly what the bug was, but I think everyone could verify uh, an email address for for every. There was some weird bug in there, which was basically just one line of code that I wrote, that I wrote wrong. But this is also why I started writing unit tests to avoid the worst stuff. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting, but I'm not super afraid because I'm not building a banking app. So the worst that could happen is that someone, I mean, the database has backups. So even if someone gets admin access and messes everything up, I could still revert it to an earlier state. But it's definitely a tricky. You can do some weird mistakes if you don't watch out. I can imagine, yeah. I remember, like, all I remember is SQL injection. You have to protect against that. And yeah, I don't even remember how to do that. So. Yeah, that's true. That's also a tricky problem. 
But usually when you use a library or a package that would allow HD or yeah, injection, I think there are different forms of this injection stuff, they usually have a warning. If it's a good library and maintained properly, then they usually put a warning on the website. Hey, you have to sanitize this input before yeah, yeah, yeah. you can put it there. Right. That's cool. All right. So I want to move on just a little bit. In terms of the YouTube channel, what is kind of the future of that? Because a lot of people that listen to this, you know, if you tweet this out, they're going to be essentially your fans. So what is kind of the future of the, the YouTube channel right now? Yeah, maybe... Uh... Maybe I will make another tutorial or course in the future. Um, if I feel like I learned enough stuff from web development, um, that I could make, could make another course from that. But I don't want to do it the way I did it in the past, where I learned something to make a tutorial. I want the tutorial to be a, a result from the stuff I just do in my normal life, basically, because it's just more fun. But for the, for the, Near future, I don't have any tutorials planned. I, I mean, the channel is basically dead at the moment. <laughs> I do all these, these, um, vlog videos about the startup stuff, but I barely get, uh, more than a thousand viewers or a thousand and a few hundred. But yeah, that's just not my main priority anymore. I want to build something real. It's just so much more fun. Definitely. That, that totally makes sense. And I mean, you've done loads of content on your channel. So I'm like most Android things, if people are looking for it, they can still find it on your channel, even if it hasn't had new content in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, but that brings me to my second question, which is that like right now you're doing this and let's, let's assume, you know, it goes amazingly well and, you know, you monetize it however you choose to monetize it. And this is your salary plus more, you know, you're good. Like, do you think Android or mobile development is something you would go back to, or is this something that you kind of feel like you enjoy more now? Yeah, I would go back to it if I need to, if I need to build the app for Twitter, for example, or for another project. But um, the only reason I did it before was basically for making tutorials. But since I don't do them any, at the moment anymore, then I don't have any problem with mobile development, but only if I actually need it. I could also imagine uh, having someone else build the mobile app and I take care of the website because it's a lot of work to build a website. Really, it's so much work that you don't even think of before you actually do it. It's crazy. Yeah, I can imagine. Also, there's a lot more moving parts, right? Because you're responsible for like the server and then you've got the client side of it and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and marketing too. Yeah, and the marketing, yeah. All right, so then I guess I have one other question um, and then if there's anything else you, we could talk about if you want to, otherwise we're good to go. But I guess my question would be from this process of, of you know, going from the YouTube stuff to what you're doing now, what's the thing that you've enjoyed the most? Um, I think it's interesting to... Well, before I started building my own projects, I thought, that, I mean, I had this itch for a while, but I thought I probably enjoyed for like two weeks and then it will get boring like everything else and just get tedious. But this wasn't the case. I'm still enjoying it. I've been doing it for half a year now, working on the stuff and I, I'm still excited every day to work on it. So this is really the stuff I like doing. But do you want to know what's fun in, in particular about this process or, or, um, do you want to know if it's more fun than making uh, YouTube videos? I was going to say what's more fun in particular, but on, on what you just said, right? Cause I'm interested. I, I feel like I'm like that where when I start doing new stuff, it's fun mm. up to a point. 
and it's usually up to a point where it's like 75% done and then I'm bored and so I don't finish things and I go and do something else. So what do you think about doing this? Is it that has like kept you engaged and excited to keep doing it? Oh yeah. Yeah, the big difference to making a YouTube tutorial, for example, is the YouTube tutorial has to be finished and you have to figure out everything before you can release something. But when you build a, a website, then it doesn't have to be perfect when you release it for the first time, and then you can just iterate and improve it. And you then and you can come back to stuff later. You don't have to uh, know everything the first time you do it. You just have to work and then you improve it later. And this tinkering and this iteration process is what makes what makes it so much fun. Because you can always release something and people can actually see the result and Whereas in when you make a tutorial, you have to put so much attention to the details and you have to make it 100% ready and everything, and then you release it, which is really a not very gratifying process. So yeah, this tinkering and playing around and incrementally improving, this is what makes it so much fun, in my opinion. Okay, then it feels like it's a little bit new each time. I get it. I think so. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't covered yet? Uh, not really. I think we got all the interesting stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is so did I, and we did it super quick, so I'm well happy about that because that's less editing yeah. for me. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. In my podcast, I had some three-hour episodes. Those were, those were all very difficult to edit. Three hours is like, because I, I, I thought like, you know, I've talked to, when I talked to Vasily before, it got to like 58 minutes and I had to tell him mm. like, oh, because I, I actually had to go. I was like, I have to go in two minutes. And he was like, oh, you don't want to go longer? And I'm sure I could have talked to him for like three hours. But the editing for that would be insane. Because I feel like when you listen to like Joe Rogan, I don't think they edit anything. Yeah, I also get tired after a while. Yeah. After like more than 90 minutes, then you start getting really tired. Yeah, I've had that before. It's like um, if, if somebody that was a podcaster was listening, it's like the first, you know, 45 minutes is like really tightly edited. And then the last 15 minutes is like, I didn't even edit it at all because my brain just kind of switched off. And I also think it's it's more engaging when you do a um, podcast in real life, like Joe Rogan and Lex Friedman do. I think that's just more uh, engaging and invigorating than doing it over the screen. So I think it's easier. And it's less, it's less like distractions as well. Like I don't have any distractions. I'm literally standing in a wardrobe. But but I also have like my phone is here and it's buzzing and I could hear like people outside. Whereas if if some like if we were talking face to face, you wouldn't even tune into those things because you you'd feel yeah. like it's super rude. So yeah, I definitely think it makes a difference. Um, but before before we wrap it, so for people that are listening, where would you like to send them to? I know you're doing stuff on Twitter and Tuthub and all that good stuff. Yeah, so the site we were talking about is Tuthub.io, so T U T H U B dot I O, and on Twitter, I'm either at coding and flow as one word, or my personal account, which I use more uh, lately, is uh, flow underscore Walter. So F L O underscore yeah, Walter with T H. Because I think on on Twitter, um, it's uh, I used my, only my coding and flow account with the coding flow logo to, for the last couple of years, but I think it's just more interesting when you act as a real person on Twitter. And that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or fellow developer. And if you really want to support the show, you can do so with a coffee donation at coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash donate. And if you don't want to miss future episodes of the show, make sure you follow or subscribe in your podcast app of choice. 
Thanks for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Coffee and Coding Podcast. <laughs>